You're listening to Ask the Expert on Sprott Money News. Welcome back to the Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com Ask the Expert series, something we do every month, uh, where we bring in a mover and shaker in the financial industry to find out what they think about what's going on in the world. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and our guest here in the month of July is my old friend, Dave Kranzler. Dave runs a website. You can find it at Investment Research Dynamics. He's the author of a couple of different newsletters, the Short Sellers Journal, and also what might be most important to folks listening to us now, the Mining Stock Journal. So Dave, uh, long uh, track record, long history of working on Wall Street and managing money, and it's great to get his thoughts here in July. Dave, thanks for spending some time with me. Thanks for having me back on, Craig. It's good to be here. I, I would probably preface, you know, my intro with the alleged expert. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, you're so old now. Uh, you're like a maven. You know, you're up there with like Mr. Turk and Eric and the rest, because you know, once <laughs> you go past sixty. Uh, the gray hair betrays you. Um, <laughs> hey, and look, we've had a really good start to the month in the precious metals. Everybody watching us uh, knows that. Uh, it's interesting how nobody wants it when prices are down. And then once prices start to rally, everybody uh, wants to get their hands on some. Hey, conveniently timed all of that. Monday the 17th marks the beginning of the Sprott Money summer sale. This is always about the biggest sale that Sprott Money has all year. So if you are looking to add to your stack, uh, buy some metal, store some metal uh, after you buy it, Sprott Money is the place to look. Go to SprottMoney.com or just pick up the phone and give them a call at 888-861-0775. Dave, we'll we'll get to the mining stocks in a second. You can tell everybody uh, about uh, your service and how valuable it is. But I I, want to start by kind of picking your brain uh, on where we stand from a monetary policy sen- uh, sense. You know, the, the first half of this year has been a lot like the first half of 2010, the first half of 2018, which were other years where the Fed went from, you know, rhetorically hawkish to cutting rates. And the first half of this year, the metals have traded a lot like they did in 2010 and 2018. So here we are now in July. Um, I just want to get your thoughts on where you think we stand in all this. The data's gotten a little weaker inflation data has come down. Do you think the Fed is done or close to done or what are your expectations going forward? Oh, that's a great question. That's that's there's a lot to unpack there, believe it or not. Um, I, I like the way you said rhetorically hawkish because that's what the Fed has been. It's been rhetorically hawkish. I mean, their monetary policy isn't hawkish. I mean, yeah, they've they've taken rates up from what, zero to where are we now? Five and a quarter, I think, yeah. on Fed funds. Um, but if if you use a real measure of inflation, we're still at negative interest rates, right? So that that's not hawkish. They've they've barely taken down the size of the balance sheet, which means all that liquidity that they threw into the banking system is mostly still circulating there. In fact, they they had made a little bit of headway, and then they you know at the first sign of trouble, they flinched, right? The regional yeah. banking thing, and they they. You know, one shot they pump four hundred billion back in. Yeah, I don't know how you call that hawkish. If anything, it's their monetary policy is still incredibly loose, and and so, um, and I think that four hundred billion is 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 finally back out again. So that that takes them back to where they were in the middle of March in terms of the size of their balance sheet, right? 
And, and I would also argue that that $400 billion injection into the banking system, that's what's caused this latest blow off in the stock market. So um, in terms of inflation, and I'm sure the Fed knows this, certainly their research area knows this. I mean, the CPI was never designed to measure inflation, right? <laughs> Real inflation. I mean, with the weightings in there, the seasonal right. adjustments, um, the the reason, I, I think the primary reason or, or variable that, that caused the CPI to show, you know, a year over year below 4% was used car prices falling. Well, guess what? As it turns out, people really aren't buying cars right now because they can't afford them, even, even used. So um, I, I think if you just had an index uh, that measured the things that people spend money on every day that they have to have in order to survive, right? So you're talking about food, energy, and not just not just gasoline, uh, energy for your house, shelter. Um, I, I just saw an article that talked about how auto insurance there is rate yeah. going up at like double digit percentage rates now. So healthcare. You know, I, I would argue that the the inflation rate that that you're seeing that's being published per the CPI is not really the real inflation rate. And I think your, your audience already knows that. You know, all you got to do is go to John Williams' website and spend some time on that, and, and you understand why that's the case. So I got to believe the Fed knows this. Maybe not all the <laughs> FOMC voting members, but certainly enough people at the Fed know that um, – you know, in, inflation's still still there. Housing prices have been sticky. Rental prices have been sticky. Food prices, I don't know about you, but food's still going up for me at the grocery store and the restaurants. Um, I think at some point later this year, we're going to start to see higher energy prices again. Um, part of the reason why is, is you know, because the dollar's been falling, so it's more expensive to, to import oil. And I guess that kind of brings me to another angle on this. I, I think the Fed has to walk a tight rope between trying to tame inflation. And I would argue that you're not really going to tame inflation by just hiking interest rates and killing demand. You got to remove all that liquidity or a good portion of that liquidity that they've, you know, injected into the into the financial system since 2008, because that's what causes, you know, the Prices rising is the evidence that inflation is already incurred, where inflation is the increase in the money supply over and above the increase in wealth output or the GDP, however you want to measure wealth output, right? Essentially, simply put, you've got um, more currency chasing um, a lesser amount of, of widgets, right, on a relative basis. And that, you know, so then the price goes up, simple supply and demand economics. So... Um, I, I think the the tightrope that they're walking is they know that if they just start pulling liquidity out of the system and get their balance sheet down, you're going to cause markets to collapse, banks to collapse, mm -hmm. you know, basically a depression that would make the 30s look like a day at the beach. So that, that I think that's why we're not seeing that, because um, certainly we know they, they were putting it in in trillion trillion dollar chunks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, and then uh, I, I think, again, rhetorically, I think they're trying to look like they have a hawkish monetary policy by hiking rates. But then again, they can't take rates too high either. And they know that because you cause the same thing as pulling liquidity out. So um, I believe it, rather than 
targeting full employment and price stability, right? The Fed mandates. I think what they really target with their monetary policy is keeping the banks alive, you know, keep keeping them from collapsing. And we saw yeah. that. We saw that in 2008. We saw that in, remember, in, in late 2019 when they started the temporary repo program, which transi transitioned into the permanently temporary repo program. It got bigger every week. It got longer in duration. And the, the pandemic really gave them a cover story for putting in $3 trillion all at once into the system, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I think they... Yeah, three trillion. I think eventually they they put in four trillion, but they put in three trillion all at once. And I think that's probably what the banking system needed to to be stabilized, because that's why that repo pro program started was to stabilize the banks. So, I, I, what's curious about all this then is I, I wonder how close they are to officially, you know, coming out. Maybe they'll never come out and officially say that they're done. Uh, I think most everybody expects one more. 25 basis point hike when the fed meets later this month um but then what happens after that you know it's, it's been a very curious month for the dollar index and that's the second thing i wanted to ask you about um you know it's been trending lower for the last year or so putting a series of lower highs on the chart it broke down as we record this uh, a couple of days ago through what appeared to be support uh, and had been support why why do you think the dollar is falling at this point? Uh, because obviously that's impacting all commodities. Is it a function of people thinking that the Fed is done? Is there something else going on? Probably a little bit of both, thinking that the Fed is almost done, plus some other things going on. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at this. I've got a 20-year chart of the dollar up, and it kind of went parabolic from you know early 2021 until the end of 2022, right? Mm -hmm. it, it ran from 90 up to uh, 115. I'm just looking at the the um, stock charts uh, yep. graph. So I think I think it's I think it's um, I don't think it's the spot index. I think it's like a three month rolling contract, um, like they do with the precious metals. But uh, um, so I think part of it is is a technical correction from that from a parabolic move higher over almost a two-year period and um i think i think part of it is the anticipation that the fed's rate hike agenda is almost over and i, I think it probably is and there's also another interesting facet to this going on and that is all these countries that are kind of i like to call it the BRICS eurasian block of geostrategic block of countries you know, they're all all the central banks in these countries are loading up on gold. You know, they all kind of have, you know, that that's kind of the countries that are involved in this um, supposed gold backed currency that's going to be roll out, which I think will happen. I just don't know if it will happen in August. And so a lot of these countries are unloading their dollar reserves because they're not at some point they're not going to need them. Right. And a lot of these countries are already trading bilaterally in their domestic currencies not using the dollar at all. So that means they're busy filling up their their central bank currency reserves with with currencies that they're using to trade and not the dollar, right? And it also means if they're if they're using less dollars for trade settlement, and I'm not saying they're completely abandoning it. I mean right. it's 
it's still the, the dollar is still the, the majority currency used for trade settlement. Um, but it, it means that they don't have to hold as many as much in dollar reserves. And we've seen China um, obviously has, has been um, systematically reducing their dollar reserves by selling treasuries. And even Japan's been doing that. So, and we know Russia sold all its treasuries a couple of years ago. So I, I, I think there's, I think there's starting to be rather these, these, these dollar reserves held at central banks, especially in the Eastern hemisphere, central banks and, and the, you know, some of the LATAM central banks. Um, I, I think some of those dollars are being disgorged and they're floating around the system and mm -hmm. the global financial system. And that's also pushing down the dollar a bit. So I think there's that aspect to it also. Yeah. And also just, you know, Hey, you know, the fed can't keep tightening down using interest rates because they're going to break something. And so um, and that, you know, when the fed stops doing that, that's obviously bearish for the dollar. And I think we're seeing the anticipation of that in the chart. Well, we, it certainly wasn't fun to watch that dollar rally uh, <laughs> like it did last year. Or I remember the same percentage move back in 2014 uh, also happened and all the commodities went in the tank. Uh, now, at least maybe we've removed that headwind. Uh, the metals have begun to respond. Um, how do you feel about them going further? Are there any levels you're watching? Do you feel confident just uh, buying some more, adding to your stack here? Well, I was actually buying more when gold was below 1900 and silver was 2021 low 20s. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, I, I'm, I may buy some more here. I don't know because it, it's hard for me to pay these prices because I started buying this stuff when, when gold was at 300 and silver was at five bucks. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think you're, you don't own any or you need to add, I, I would add here. Um, I, I've been, my tenor on this has been that, and I actually write about it in the intro to my mining stock journal that'll be re hopefully released later today if I can get it done. I, I will. Um, but I I give reasons why I think the precious metals have found a bottom. That doesn't mean that they're, you know, on a intraday or two-day basis, they're not going to get banged down below their, their recent lows. I mean, you know as well as I, anything can happen when you've got, you know, paper or as you call it, digital gold and silver, I call it paper gold and silver, um, you know, dominating the market for 12 of the 24 hour trading period globally. So, yeah. um, but, it, and you mentioned, I think 2010 and 2018, what the trading action right now really reminds me of is, is the summer of 2008, where they, mm. they took gold and silver down. And I mean, it was, I mean, the sentiment is really bad now, but that's that's how the sentiment was back then. Well, they, it didn't bottom back then until late October. I think we're finding a bottom now, and you know they they've been able to get gold below nineteen hundred, but not for very long, and they've been able to get silver below twenty three, but not for very long. And and when that happens, they both shoot right back up. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think we we could go sideways for you know a while four to six weeks or something like that. Because as, also, as you know, July can be a seasonally uh, weak and slow period for the precious metals. But then we start getting into August and September and the, and the big seasonal Indian buying season kicks in. It makes it harder for them to push down using yeah. derivatives when 
when India is is hoovering physical gold hand over fist, right? Right. And it's not gold that is kept in Comex or London vaults. It's gold that has to be shipped over to India for actual physical delivery, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, in conjunction with, you know, the Fed eventually having to back off even more on its monetary policy, I don't know about necessarily cutting rates, but I don't think that they, that needs to happen for for um, the precious metals to really gain some upward steam. Um, I think we're headed higher between now and the end of the year. And that, you know, again, I hate to put price targets on it, but I don't know. I could see conservatively maybe 2,200 on gold and over 30 on silver and maybe higher, maybe not quite that high. I don't know. Well, let's use that as a segue to the last question I have for you. You know, um, I, a lot of folks uh, watch these programs from Sprott Money. I used to do the things every week with Eric and he would talk about mining shares. And I know a lot of folks that that own physical metal also like to make some additional fiat in the mining shares. Um, that is your primary uh, focus on a daily basis. Uh, again, uh, you go to Investment Research Dynamics dot com and you can find the mining stock journal and yeah, yeah for me i think everybody needs as much independent objective information as they can get you don't want to be out there on your own trying to do this stuff unless you're really an expert um dave using your accumulated wisdom and expertise after all these years um what are just some basic tips that you could give mining investors mining share investors, people that speculate on juniors and explorers? What are some things you've learned over the years that you could share with everybody? I, you know, I, I think the most important thing is, and I, I see this a lot with my subscribers, you know, because I, I get emails and I answer every email. And um, what happens is, is like, I'll, I'll present an idea and they, they'll they load up on it, you know, all at once. And they don't leave themselves room for volatility and then the potential that you know they're not going to go straight up so i think especially with the mining stocks because they're volatile i think i think the most important thing is capital management you know and, and don't don't pile in head first if you're just starting out you know and, and if you have positions you know don't go from you know half full to to 100% full all at once you know kind of wait in slowly because again i don't i don't know you know when the run's going to start or how high it's going to go i'm pretty confident it will start and it'll go pretty high you know you're not going to time a bottom right and and so i would say you know just just buy a little bit and if the price goes lower and you still like the story i mean that's part of the key is you know you know, and we're seeing it with the mining stocks now. I mean, the mining stocks, I mean, it feels like they're digging for China. And yet gold and silver are, are still at relatively high levels in the context of the last 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. And and so um, the mining stocks have for sure way underperformed the metal over the last few years. Um, and, and so in my opinion, they're fundamentally extremely cheap. And so you're you're going to make plenty of money, you know, even if you don't, you know, if you buy some now may or may not be the bottom If it goes lower and the story hasn't changed and the fundamentals haven't changed, add some more. That's why you keep cash in reserve because at some point when these things take off, I mean, it's going to look like the tech stocks are looking right now, right? You're just going to wake up and, and every day they're going to go higher and higher and higher, you know, and, 
And um, I guess the other important point there is, is don't, you know, and again, this is, you know, just sound advice that everyone's heard before. Don't get too greedy. You're not just like, you're not going to find the bottom. You're not going to find the top. And so use trailing stops. I mean, my first go around when, when, when the miners ran from, and this was back in, you know, call it early 2002 into, it was the spring of 2006. I mean, they had just a phenomenal run. I'll give you an example. When I first started in the sector, the Huey, the Amex Goldbug Index was like at 45. <laughs> and it ran up to like, I want to say, you know, and this is off the top of my head. It might have run up to like 300 in that time period. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, this is going to keep going up. Right. You it's know? going to 3,000. And guess what? You know, in, in mid-May, and I remember because I was down in New Mexico, we took my parents to their 50th anniversary. We took them to Taos. And I'm sitting in a in a cafe late at night because it had internet and the house we had rented didn't have internet. And um, it's around 11 at night and I'm watching the futures because I was a really active futures trader back then. And all of a sudden, silver and gold just started. I mean, they looked like they were on an elevator with a broken cable. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and, you know, I, I kept holding on thinking, you know, this is going to turn around. Well, no. We went into, you know, several months of a downtrend and yeah. I gave back a lot of what I had made. So yeah. I guess my point here is, is make sure you use trailing stops, you know, and don't make them too tight. But, you know, if you have if we have a, a nice run up in the sector and you put in, you know, stop loss, say 20 percent below, you know, the you know, just keep following it higher with a 20 percent stop loss, because if it. You know, if you have a down day and, you know, all of a sudden your positions are down 10 percent, you don't want to get shaken out of them. But if, it, if we if, it, if they're down 20 percent, they're probably going to go lower for a while. So, yeah, take your money off the table and run. Yeah. The chart will show you that sometimes, too. You get to right, exactly. reversal. And go, exactly. Uh, that usually kills the spec momentum for a while. <laughs> yep. Well, Dave, it's always fun to visit with you again. Uh, make sure I got this right. Investment research dynamics. All one word. Correct. That is once, correct. once people get there, they can sign up for your newsletters and uh, hopefully that'll help them guide you the rest of the way through this year and next. I hope so. I'm sure some of my subscribers think I've led the sheep to slaughter, but <laughs> <laughs> believe it or uh, not, I mean, I, I have like, I started the, the newsletter in, in early 2016 and I bet at least 25 of my subscriber, 25% of my subscriber base is from 2018 or before yeah so and i i get you know sometimes longer term subscribers will cancel and then like six months later they're back yeah so yeah well and you do great work and like i said i it, it just in my opinion if you're going to be in the sector uh whether you're just even if you're just stacking precious metal uh, you need as many independent, objective voices as you can, because the mainstream media is always going to lead you astray. They're always just going to be spouting whatever the narrative is. And they're yep. never, under any circumstances, are they going to like gold except at the top. So, right. <laughs> so find services like what Dave has and uh, use that as part of your full consideration for what you're doing. Dave, thank you so much for your time. It's been very valuable uh, for everybody to hear what you've had to say. And just one more thing on the way out. Again, remember the Sprott Summer Sale starts on the 17th of July. So keep that in mind if you're looking for some great deals on adding to your stack. But then also help Sprott spread the news. Uh, the least you can do maybe is give them a like or a subscribe on whichever channel 
that you're watching this because that helps them cast a wider net. It helps with what they call search engine optimization, all that kind of stuff. So help them out. Thank them for providing this content. Uh, that's about the easiest, simplest thing you can do. Uh, and uh, we very much appreciate your time and attention. Dave, thanks so much for your time and attention. It's been great visiting with you. Hey, it's great to be back on here again. I appreciate you inviting me. And from all of us here at Sprout Money News, SproutMoney.com, thanks for watching. We'll have some more stuff for you in a couple of weeks. Bye.